Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. Since 1976, Habitat for Humanity has been assisting people on the path to home ownership by helping them to build their own homes with the help of volunteers and, most importantly, pay an affordable mortgage. Here in Philadelphia, they've been at it since 1985, and this year, they're celebrating a major milestone. We'll talk with the CEO of Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia and the head of the Lower North Philadelphia Community Development Corporation about the gateway to generational wealth. If you don't have housing, a place to sleep, how can you think about going for a job? How can you think about going to school if you don't know where you're gonna lay your head every night? Charity Howard searches the city to bring you inspiring stories of interesting people. Walk up and down Germantown Avenue, starting in Germantown, then you hit Mount Airy, then you hit Chestnut Hill. You can literally see the wealth change. That's all coming up on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. In Philadelphia and across the globe, people partner with Habitat for Humanity to build or improve their homes. And if you're not familiar with the organization and how it works, Habitat homeowners actually help build their own homes with the help of volunteers and they pay an affordable mortgage. They say that with their help, Habitat homeowners can achieve the strength, the stability, and independence that they need to build a better life for themselves and their families. Here to tell us more about it is Corinne O'Connell. She is CEO of Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia. And Darnetta R.C., Executive Director of the Lower North Philadelphia Community Development Corporation, which is a Habitat for Humanity community partner. Welcome. Great to be with you. Yes, thank you. Corinne, first, let's start off by talking about the ultimate mission of Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia. So we have this audacious idea, this (laughs) audacious vision of a city where everyone has a decent place to live. How dare you? I know, right? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Everybody. Everybody. Because housing is foundational. Housing is a human right. Absolutely. And you're saying a decent place to live. That's very important, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right now, one in four families in Philadelphia every month is challenged. You know, do I pay the rent or am I putting food on the table? Am I buying a transit pass, paying for medical, you know, asthma medicine, or am I paying the rent? One in four families. So enter Habitat into that equation where families have an opportunity to, it's an affordable home. It's a quality home that is built. Start to build equity. Start to have, you know, oftentimes families say to me, it's the first time that they've ever been able to catch the breath. Wow. Right? And that's not lost on me, too, of, like, that notion of, like, I can breathe. Like, there's just some breathing room um, in a family's budget. Mm -hmm. So move from out of that space of always just, like, how am I going to make it work today? How do I get through today to a space of having some 
bandwidth to think about what's possible. Right, right. Darnetta, uh, I know you work a lot in the community and your work with the uh, North Philadelphia CDC. Talk about the need for affordable housing in Philadelphia and some of the things that you've heard from residents in the area. Well, one of the things I want to piggyback on is what Corinne just said about families needing affordable and decent housing. Not only that, having a place that you can rest your head every night helps you deal with a lot of other things. If you don't have housing, a place to sleep, how can you think about going for a job? How can you think about going to school? How can you think about, you know, even doing a training program if you don't know where you're going to lay your head every night? So having affordable housing is so important. And as far as the neighborhood and community, yes, they are advocating and screaming for having affordable housing. Everyone's definition of affordable is different. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) very true. However, I will say this, what I found with um, Habitat, that they truly meet the person's um, income. If you're making a certain level of money, they make sure that your mortgage is not more than 30% 30 of your income. income. So that is really a great thing. Um, Can I go a little bit personal about a story? absolutely. A young lady that I knew, a single mom, this was years ago, back in 1980. (laughs) she was struggling but she was working worked for the city of philadelphia had two children was a single mom make a long story short she um, was having problems finding adequate housing Mm -hmm. and meeting up with a great landlord but that didn't happen so i found out about habitat for humanity because i used to work for the department of human services and they always had resources available to us and I told this young lady about Habitat, and it took a, it was a process. However, I saw her a few years back, and one of the things that she was telling me is that she had a lot of mishaps that happened in her house, but she never lost her housing because her housing was built on her income that she mm-hmm. had at that time, yeah. and it was very low. She had lost her job. She got sick. But... She didn't lose her home, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she's still in that home today. And it was something that I was glad she was able to be a part of. But when I saw, met up with her again, she's still in that house. Mm. So that was important. Speaking of that, Corinne, talk about and maybe walk us through how a potential homeowner comes to Habitat for Humanity. How are they chosen? So we have three criteria. One is a willingness to partner. It's 125 hours of sweat equity families, right? So working alongside future neighbors, future homeowners, a lot of emphasis, Raquel, in the space of financial literacy. So it's a 30-year mortgage. We're in a 30-year relationship with a home buyer, mm-hmm. and we need, want them to be successful over the course of that mortgage. They pay it to Habitat. Mm-hmm. So one, willingness to partner, right? So that's the sweat equity component. Mm-hmm. Two is the ability to pay. There's a misconception out there that homes are given away, Not at all. There is a mortgage. Families pay. They are building equity. They own their home. And the third is the need, the need for housing. We have a list, you know, as we sit here and talk for a half hour, an hour, there's probably 20 folks who call Habitat who need housing. Mm -hmm. So we have no problem in Philadelphia with families who want to be part of Habitat, who want to partner with Habitat. Our limitation is always capital. Right. The number of dollars we have directly translates into how many homes we're able to build. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, over the last 10, 15 or just even in the legacy of Habitat over the last 37 years, we've gone from one and two homes a year. Ten days ago, we dedicated our 250th home. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can can celebrate that. 
And in that space, one of the other places that we've grown in the last 10 years is in the space of uh, home repairs. Okay. Because it costs a lot of money to, to, build, yeah. to build a new home. Right. It yes. costs a lot. And then a 30-year mortgage with zero interest, right? Like the model does not pencil. <laughs> in, the, in the real real estate world, you know, private developers are like, what are you doing? Right, right. right. But we do it because for families to build equity, to build generational wealth, mm-hmm. all of those reasons on top of families who have been excluded from that because of historic and the legacy of racism, sure. what have you. But as we look at the need, one of the strategies we've developed in addition to new construction is repairs. It's the most cost-effective way. Let's keep families in the affordable home they're living in. So we work with owner-occupied, you know, families that own their home, fix the roof, fix plumbing, fix windows, fix kitchens, fix bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Let's preserve the asset. Let's capture the equity families have built in Mm -hmm. that home, keep families in neighborhoods that are gentrifying um, so that they can experience that upswing. We've repaired over uh, 850 homes in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So when you combine new homes at 250 and repaired homes, we're well right. past the 1,000 homes in Philadelphia, right. and we're not stopping. That's okay. That's tremendous. <laughs> that's tremendous. And what yes. I like about Habitat for Humanity is that not only is there sweat equity and they get the keys to their homes, but you stay with them for the entire 30 years of the mortgage. And if you could talk a little bit more about the uh, financial literacy uh, portion of this, because I can imagine people come in this not really knowing how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, all they know is, okay, I, I qualify. How does the mortgage work? How do I manage my bills? You know, what goes into the financial literacy part? Vast majority of families that buy their homes from Habitat are the first in their family to ever own. Mm-hmm. So that's a mind shift change, right? It's yeah. different than rental. So I'll use the example of roofs. When families come into our program and we're talking about budgeting and we're talking about financial literacy, right out of the blocks, we start using the roof as an example. In 10 or 15 years, despite how well that home is built Mm -hmm. by Habitat, right, in wear and tear, (laughs) there is inevitably repairs going to be needed on your roof. That is not something overnight you're going to have that cushion in a bank account to be able to fix a roof. That's something that you start setting aside, right? Like, what do you, how do you build into that budget of like each paycheck? Are you putting $50 aside in the space of the maintenance, mm-hmm. preventive maintenance that you're doing so that you have that financial cushion to make those repairs on homes? So that's an example in that space of financial literacy. Yes, we also, you know, work around credit scores. There's the mechanics of building family budgets, what have you, but then also honing in of like, all right, Home ownership. What does that, what's the cost? Yes, you're paying this mortgage once a month and to be able to afford that mortgage as well as maintaining right. that home. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So they understand what it looks like for the long haul yeah. for the 30 years that you do need to put money aside for the unexpected, Correct. which always occur. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All, you know, in that space of home ownership, we've all had that like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what plumbing part? What now? <laughs> yeah. And you got to have that cushion. Yes. Where exactly? Do you build? Are there certain areas of the city that you concentrate on, or is it just all over the city? So we traditionally have been in Lower North, um, which is where Darnetta um, has been such a great partner, as well as West, um, Mantua. I guess say Mantua, Yeah, right. over back behind Drexel, Cops yeah. Creek uh, in West Philadelphia. But the bulk of the new homes that we have built are in Lower North Central Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. uh, our office is near Temple. We're at 18th and Montgomery. So we've built quite a lot. We have 
six homes that uh, we just finished right now at 16th and Fontaine, essentially 16th and Diamond. Mm-hmm. We finished a few years ago, 21, right in Darnetta's footprint right there. We have Oxford another. Street. We have another project mm-hmm. going at Thirty Third in Oxford mm-hmm. that the neighbors have named, which is really cool, Coltrane Commons, because it's right, yeah. right, mm-hmm. a few it's doors down. Mansion area, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, our footprint has traditionally been in Lower North Central. Okay. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Let's get into the actual home building. If you can kind of just take us right to the site of one of the homes that are being built. What goes into this? I'm wondering, you know, there are volunteers, obviously people that are not trained, so to speak, to build a house, but they have a little bit of training so they get to know what to do. How does all of that work in conjunction with the potential homeowners? Talk about that sweat equity that happens. So things we have learned over time, the exterior design of the home is important and important to neighbors, mm-hmm. right? So using Coltrane Commons as an example, we did a couple iterations of what that exterior would look like. Um, Strawberry Mansion neighbors, understandably, incredibly passionate about their neighborhood and as that gateway to the park and the gateway into right. Strawberry Mansion and have worked to have a zoning overlay, a historic overlay. You know, that's something that's a growing edge of Habitat, of listening in with neighbors of what's here and what assets are here and what do neighbors seek in that space. So the design, exterior design is really important. We've also done focus groups with families who are in Habitat homes of what works, right? What's the layout and what's the functionality and with growing families or aging families. So project we did, um, Oxford Green at 23rd and Oxford Architects worked a bit so that the layout of the home, instead of sort of that open format of living room, dining room, kitchen, listening again to families, we swapped it. Mm -hmm. The kitchen sits in the middle and the back room has the opportunity. If someone is to age in place, there's a first floor bathroom that could be converted into a bedroom or a kiddo comes home from college, you know, an expanding family. Mm -hmm. Because if the kitchen's in the back, you can't exactly put a bedroom. You know, then you're like traipsing through the middle room. right. So it takes a village to build. We have plenty of wonderful volunteers who come out, folks like me who sit at a desk who don't know how to hold a hammer. God love our team. I joke it's like Groundhog's Day. Of every day it's the next corporate group, and you're like, all right, here's your safety glasses, right, right. And here's your heart, and they're so patient and they're so good. Mm-hmm. And folks, when they go home at the end of the day, are so energized because it's such a tangible thing mm. that we do. Right, that wall was not there, mm-hmm. and now that wall is there. Right, and I helped build. But I think working together because Habitat comes into the neighborhood, and they do find out who are the neighborhood um, organizations and leaders, and um, participate in the community meetings. And what she was speaking to about even designs is like the RCOs, the Registered Community Organizations, in the communities where they have information about how they want things built. Zoning, they deal with zoning. And you come in and try to um, make sure that the housing that you're going to put in to this community go along with what's already there right, right. and not be something so outstanding or outrageous that the community doesn't want. But you yeah, work with the community organizations. Right. One of the things about the um I can't think of the name of the program. We, you just said it. But he did the exterior improvements. Mm-hmm. Okay. Repairs. They listened. Repairs. They listened to the community and said, hey, 
We need to maybe help them put a railing out there, help them put a light out there, mm-hmm. help them put signage out there. Those mm-hmm. type of things are important. And one of the things I can say, looking at some of the blocks that participated, you can see the uniformity. And when you go down the street, you can see that, oh, this is a block that intentionally is taking care of itself. You right, know, right. And you can tell a block where people are involved and when people are not. And just making it affordable for everyone to be a part of that program made it easier to sell the idea that, hey, that we can all get our railings fixed. We can all get our lights fixed. We can all get our signs on our outside of our homes. So I appreciate Habitat taking the time to listen and actually implement <laughs> what the community right. has said. So you, you actually heard what yeah. they wanted and, and made it happen. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. great. You mentioned uh, before we began, uh, Corinne, uh, a Penn study on gun violence and home building, that that also makes a difference in, you know, cutting down on the gun violence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So amazing doctor and team at Penn, Dr. Eugenia South study, and it was just released in the not too long ago in the Journal of American Medicine Mm -hmm. based on Philadelphia. One improved home, one repaired home on one block, crime goes down 22 percent. Just one. One. Wow. Right. So when we think about and right, every leader, every community organization, every block hip, every resident of Philadelphia, right? And like, how do we solve for this crisis that has just crippled on top of the lives lost and families and the devastation, right? Like on down the list, you know, from where we sit at Habitat, repairs is a strategy. So we want to be at those tables in how do we scale what we're doing mindfully, intentionally, because the data is there. It shows that repairs works. Right, right. So we're excited in a space of what we have learned and what we've accomplished thus far. And also, again, championing this solution as we work our way forward as a city. Mm-hmm. Do you mostly see families coming to you or you have single moms with children? Who's your clientele for the most part? It's a little bit of everything, Raquel. I would say the, the majority is usually, you know, an, a parent with kiddos. Um but oftentimes people say, like, do you sell homes to single people? I'm like, yes. You yeah, know, okay. like it is not just part of the Coltrane Commons uh, community. So it's 21 homes that we're building right now. There's a multifamily component in their multi-unit component, which is the first ever we've done at Habitat. So it will be home ownership, but there are units in there that are two, three bedrooms, and then there are units in there that are one bedroom. Talk about um, the funding that is used to continue this, these programs and to build these homes. I'm assuming there's a waiting list because there are more people that need than you can actually build. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that like? Where does the funding come from? And how do you ultimately raise more money to, you know, I will ask campaigns? anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I joke oftentimes. I'm right. like, I feel like I walk into a room and people are like, oh, God, she's going to ask me. Right. Um we have the good fortune, right? So who we are and the integrity of who we are and our brands yeah. um, speaks volumes. We have a strong response from donors, corporations, foundations, individuals. Again, it is a very tangible, transformative what we do. Our why is not hard to explain. Right. Um, we just finished. We run on a fiscal year. So we just finished this last year 100 repairs. Starting July 1 to June 30 next year, our goal is 125. Yeah. Donors almost line up to say, I want to be part of, count me in, I want to be part of the Habitat family. Mm-hmm. I know that um, uh, Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia recently received a grant uh, for a new round of funding. It was made available through the Pennsylvania Housing Affordability and Rehabilitation Enhancement Fund. 
What is that money being used for, and how much was the grant, actually? The FAIR grant was just over 315000 and that will work towards repairs. Got it. Yep. Got it. Well, aside from building homes um, and, uh, you know, helping people on their way to um, generational wealth, um, you have the restores. <laughs> now, I'm going to I say that with such glee because I love the restores, and my husband yes. and I love the restores. If you do DIY at home or, you know, you're one of those uh, weekend warriors, go to the restores. There is so much. I mean, because you have leftover materials, right, from the home builds. Talk about that. So I joke it's like Home Depot meets Five Below. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. It's like mashup of the two. That's great. Mm-hmm. We accept donated building supplies and home goods and sell them back to the public. And the proceeds help us build and repair more homes. So your previous so question, right, back into right? Your it. previous That's question great. of like, how do you fund this? Yeah. So the restore is an earned revenue stream for us. It also creates jobs. Yes. And there's a green component because of the amount that we prevent going into the land stream or the waste stream. Right. So there's like this win, 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 win on down the line. We're open Tuesday to Saturday, 10 to 5. And in Philadelphia, there are now two restores. (laughs) And a new one, right? Yes. (laughs) So 3111 West Allegheny Avenue. It's in the former Pep Boys headquarters there on Allegheny. So that intersection, Allegheny, Hunting Park and Henry. We have 20,000 square feet, an enormous parking lot. Yes. Big. I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it, you know, miss a day, miss a deal. <laughs> well, talk about some of the deals that you can find and some of the items that you can find. I mean, I know I'm big. You want me to do that? Go for okay. it. Sorry, okay, go, go <laughs> yeah, right yeah. ahead and talk about some of those things. Cabinets. Cabinets. Picture frames. Mm. Desks. Chairs. Blankets. 100% cotton. <laughs> um, tile. Uh, tile. Tile. Yeah. Uh, Paint. Paints. And even toys at the one that mm-hmm. at thirty one eleven Allegheny had toys okay. and um and brand new patio furniture yes. out oh. of the box yes brand Deals new you and you yes. never know what you're gonna find there yes. because there are different things left over from different builds mm-hmm. trucks are rolling we have four trucks rolling through the city and the diehard shoppers know that Tuesday morning because the trucks right like you where's your plug down. listeners Tuesday. working most of the right. time the trucks that's unfair on Saturday pull in the trucks have been out all day Saturday picking up stuff mm-hmm. and Tuesday morning. Four truckloads hit the floor. Wow. So Tuesdays is always a big refresh. Got that. Um, But everybody can follow Restore Philly on Mm -hmm. Instagram. Great. Mm -hmm. Great work. I'm assuming that the families are really excited when they are involved in building these homes. And uh, I'd love to hear just one Mm -hmm. story, one particular family, anyone that just sticks out in Mm -hmm. your mind that... I have one that jumps to, to my, I mean, they are all amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, one that has stayed with me, Raquel. So we're, it was the dedication day and I'm talking with the mom and I, I like to, you know, just in sort of that anticipatory excitement, you know, I often say like, what are you most excited? And mom with two seven-year-old twins. And I, you know, in my brain, I'm thinking she's going to say, you know, just like the home and the kitchen and they were living in Southwest Philadelphia. And so she kind of rolled through what her day and what the week was like with the two seven-year-olds. So up early, you know, 4, 4.30 to get them up, to get out the door, um, the number of public transit, because the kids were in school in Old City. And then she trekked back across town. She was working at CHOP. And then she came back across town to get the kids at aftercare. And she said on Saturdays, she had the challenge of keeping two seven-year-olds occupied in a laundromat, having taken the kids on a bus with the laundry. And so she was most excited about a washer and a dryer. Wow. I know that's right. <laughs> Wow. Right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> because Saturdays right. now could be breakfast mm-hmm. and cartoons yeah. and home yeah. and PJs. So I say often to folks, we are in the business of opportunity. 
Um, and so I often think about that family and those kiddos are older now. And what is possible with them in that space of Saturdays with their mom who's not tired and stressed? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And not judging that mm -hmm. she's stressed and tired. Right. But what relationship might have shifted with their mom because they could hang at home? Yeah. and be rested. That makes a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love these stories. I yeah. absolutely do. And we can go on and on and hear more. Yes. But um, for those who would like to get involved or donate or learn more about Habitat for Humanity, how can they find out? Habitatphiladelphia.org. Okay. What and about you, Darnetta? Yeah. Yeah. Well, July the 23rd, we're having our second annual Jazzing on Ridge. Ooh. <laughs> oh. In the 2200 block of Ridge Avenue in North Philadelphia. And it's going to start at 12 o'clock. And it's going to be ending there for we have so many vendors coming out and resources coming to the community for our businesses and our residents. So you are welcome to come out on Sunday, July the 23rd in the 2200 block of Ridge Avenue. Okay. Okay. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Corinne O'Connell, Darnetta R.C., thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, all your stories about uh, the work of Habitat for Humanity and the need for affordable housing in Philadelphia. Continued success. Thank you. Thank you. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. If it's happening in Philadelphia, Shara Day Howard knows all about it. Here's the latest, Shara in the City. In just five years after making the decision to take farming on full-time, Krista Barfield has become a local agricultural hero through her Germantown-based company, Viva Leaf, and community-centered nonprofit. Now, Farmer John is expanding after Barfield has acquired a 123-acre lease for farmland in Westchester. But her claim to fame around the way, she's revolutionizing agriculture by making farming and fresh produce accessible in urban food deserts. And she says she's only just begun. And despite her round-the-clock busy schedule, we met up with Krista Barfield at a local coffee shop, Uncle Bobby's, to talk about everything Farmer John. You have revolutionized what Philly can do for itself. Community gardens, community spaces, community productivity. Yeah, you know, it's really about us being able to be self-sustainable. That's what it is for me. Our food system is so disconnected. Most people don't even know that their food is coming from 1,500 miles away from the food that they eat at restaurants, from the food that they're buying at a grocery store. And we have the power to be able to grow food closer to the city. And the food that you grow closer to you is also the food that's better for you. And that's what I'm all about. And I love that you pull in next generations. You make sure this is a community effort on every level. So that next step is about making sure our youth are not only healthy, but they're educated. Yeah, because they are the future. And we say this all the time, like the youth are the leaders of tomorrow, but it is absolutely true. But not only do we focus on school-based programming for our kids, but we're also thinking about the adults because, you know, our life expectancy right now is, you know, 75, 80, and I think we can get it up higher. If people were felt empowered to not only know that they can grow their own food themselves, but also the food that we're eating right now is not just for us. The food that we're eating right now also impacts our lineage for generations to come. And that's what people really need to understand about the impact of the environment and the food that we're putting in our bodies today. So we're talking about generational wealth here. We, we really think about it. Generational wealth equals generational health. It does. Food is medicine. And that's the biggest takeaway from everything that I do. If anybody hears me speak 
or sees the, all the work that Farmer Jonah is doing, they need to understand that food is medicine and the ways of that is agriculture. Agriculture is the culture. You're amazing. And now you've actually taken it a step further. You've expanded. <laughs> we did expand many steps further. We went from our last property of being five acres, which we still have, to now having 123 acres. So in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 45 minutes from Center City, and that to me is connecting the full food system. Oh, full circle, but I didn't know it was that big. It is that big, yeah. So our property, we have the capacity to grow hundreds of thousands of pounds of food every single year, and every ounce of that food is going to be coming for us. It's literally for here. I'm not shipping food to other states. I'm not shipping food across to California. I'm not doing any of that, which you will see that a lot of farms are doing. I'm revolutionizing the model. I'm going to prove it to be profitable, because that's the goal, and it has to be sustainable and regenerative for our community. And you're starting something that hopefully the rest of the world will take on. Yeah, catching fire. That's what. I, that's all I want. I want people to understand because it comes down to dollars for everyone. You know, bottom line is very important. So we have to prove that the system works, that the model that we're creating absolutely works. And working means it has to be profitable. And I believe that we're getting closer to that. And health has monetary value. Oh, absolutely. I mean, health, like you said, is generational wealth. Like it really, really is. And people don't understand that you know, I'm from Germantown, so when I walk up and down, you are, so when I walk up and down my Germantown Avenue, starting in Germantown, and you hit Mount Airy, and then you hit Chestnut Hill, you can literally see the wealth change. You can see the color of people's skin change, and so does the food system changes, just by walking up the street. And so imagine taking a bike ride, you know, a quick 30-minute bike ride, and you're in an area of the city that is health despair, and then you end up in one that is flourishing, and it's two miles away. So like that's why the beat is our logo. I, I chose the beat as the logo because in Germantown I can't find a beat anywhere. But if I go right up the road to Mount Airy I can find a restaurant that has a beat and if I go to Chestnut Hill it's beats everywhere. And so that is what we're changing that if I want to enjoy a salad that has beets on it or that has jicama or you know all these vegetables that we may have never even heard of that, that we can make that transfer. But it's not only that one-sided. The people that are in Chestnut Hill, many of them have never even heard of collard greens. And so doing this CSA program, I'm starting to realize all the gaps and I see all the holes. And I find the beauty in being able to educate everybody about how everyone deserves organic food, no matter where you come from, no matter the color of your skin. And I'm gonna show you up in Chestnut Hill how you prepare collard greens, and then y'all gonna help me show the people in Germantown how to prepare beets, and we're all gonna be healthier together. Girl, thanks for joining yeah. us at Bridging Philly. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly, at Raquel on Air, and at Shara Day. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. For Shara Day Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>